Welcome to the Fundraising Talent Podcast. I'm Kyla Daw, and I'm glad you decided to join us on today's episode of the show that is shaping how the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent. Rather than advice from experts, our listeners want to hear the insights and ideas from those who, just like them, are on the front lines every day, building meaningful relationships that translate into meaningful support for causes that they and their donors care about. Every week, we invite our guests to have a real conversation about what it means to be a fundraising professional. We're after a greater understanding of what it means to be one of the sector's critically important yet least understood roles, while giving honest answers to our profession's most difficult questions. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Fundraising Talent Podcast. Here's your host, author, fundraiser, and master trainer, Jason Lewis. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Jason Lewis, and I'm your host for the Fundraising Talent Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today for the show that is shaping the way that the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent. Before I introduce today's guest, I do want to thank our sponsor, QBAC. QBAC is a next-generation advancement solution that reimagines alumni engagement to increase major planned and principal giving. QBAC acts as a force multiplier for fundraisers, enabling them to focus on what they do best, developing deep relationships with prospects and cultivating them into lifelong donors. QBAC automates the qualification process beyond simple scoring to ensure that your fundraisers have the best prospects. QBAC also uncovers actionable insights about current and future prospects to help fundraisers develop personalized cultivation strategies. Start closing bigger gifts in less time by going to www.qback.com to schedule a free demo. Also, how about being our next host for the Responsive Fundraising Roadshow? I'm looking forward to two things this summer, getting back to the ballpark with my kids and getting the Responsive Fundraising Roadshow back on the calendar. If your organization would like to be a host location, let's schedule a time to chat. The Responsive Fundraising Roadshow provides six hours of the best fundraising training out there based on Responsive's four sense-making tools. Hosting Responsive's Roadshow is not like hosting a major conference that requires months of planning and all types of resources. All we need you to do is provide us with a safe learning environment for 25 adult professionals in your community who want to understand how highly effective fundraising really works. There is no cost to your organization, and we will reimburse you for all related expenses. If your organization would like to host the Responsive Fundraising Roadshow in your community, reach out and let's have a conversation today. Hi, Scott. I am delighted to have you today on the Fundraising Talent Podcast. You and I connected, as I do with a lot of people these days. We're all connecting on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. You put out a great question a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's actually probably been a month or so ago. Uh, which I thought was a great provocative question. It's certainly timely and relevant. And so I said, I thought, hey, let's get you on here to talk about that. But uh, before we do that, Scott, let's um, just ask you to introduce yourself. Yeah, first off, uh, I really appreciate the uh, the invite, Jason. Uh, I uh, I didn't expect it, but uh, I definitely follow you and, and all your work on LinkedIn. So I was glad to uh, connect and, and glad to uh, spark conversation, which is what we're really all trying to do to uh, better ourselves and better the world that we're in. Um, yeah, my name is Scott Myers. I, uh, I've uh, made almost a career out of the nonprofit world here for about 20 years, mostly in the social service uh, area. I actually started on the service yeah. side uh, and uh, uh, really got to uh, see the impact that we were really having on, on the community that we were 
that we were working with. But I, uh, I spent basically the last 15 years, give or take, uh, in a fundraising or administration role. Uh, I fell in love with connecting people that wanted to do good with the do good that can be happening with uh, with their involvement. And uh, so, yeah, I've been uh, been working the past 15 years in some type of fundraising role uh, here in the greater St. Louis area. Um, with some social service organizations, but here for the past couple of years for a uh, private liberal arts college in the suburbs of St. Louis. Yeah. When I talk to somebody who's about, it sounds like you're about 20 years in, right? Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, just a little, I, I came, we, we all came in right about the time, right around the time of the turn of the century, right, right around the time of September 11th, for example. Um, and I think there's a, I think that's a very interesting cohort of, of people like ourselves who came into the field when the world, if you think about, if you think about September 11th and then the recession that happened, you know, less than 10 years later. And then now you think uh, about the, um, the COVID-19 sort of uh, reality that we're, we're working our way through right now. There's there are these big three unpredictable markers on our careers, and I think they are to defining markers on on our particular cohort. Does that make sense to you? What do you think about that? No, I, I actually think you're spot on. I, th- I think, you know, it's one of those things, especially those of us that kind of make a, a career or a living out of, you know, trying to help, you know, either a certain sector of society or a certain group of people or whatever, that you can you can almost pinpoint certain parts in your life that are like, you know, kind of the light bulbs, like, holy yeah. cow, this is why I did this. This is why I got into this. Um, yeah. And and I agree 100%. Yeah. I think September 11th is, is a good one. I think the recession and, and seeing how, um, you know, something in, in our in our society can can change everybody's outlook and everybody's livelihood on a dime and, and trying to rise above that and, and be better on the other side. Um, I agree 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Scott, um, I'm going to let you tee this up. We ask our guests to come on here with a big idea, a bold question, big idea, a bold uh, question. And uh, you put something out there on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to let you tee that up. Tell us what you think. And then um, and then I'll keep you going for a half hour or so. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in fundraising, you know, is, is almost like a, a 50% heart and 50% data. And, and you know, I, yeah. I try to, you know, I consider myself a lifelong learner. So I'm always out there, you know, trying to connect with people, trying to find different things. And, and some of the, the common themes that I've been seeing in the fundraising world is this, is this idea of this donor centric fundraising, this idea that the donor has controlled everything and, and moving through their life as a, as a philanthropist, you know, impacting where they want to, how they want to, those kind of things. Is that idea of this donor centric fundraising on its way out um, and being replaced with this idea of either, you know, this community centered, you know, fundraising or, or something like that. And again, I mean, I, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of, you know, opinion pieces, you know, that are saying that this rise uh, in, in social justice, this rise in, in racial justice and, and, and societal approaches to, to do that, um, you know, is that you know, precipitating this need to change from a donor center fundraising to more of a community center fundraising. So I just straight up asked the question, you know, is donor center right, fundraising? You did, you did, man. Yeah, is, is, <laughs> it, is it on the way out? And um, 
you know, right. I I got about uh, you know about three hundred and fifty you know votes, give or take, on LinkedIn. Uh, it reached about fifteen thousand people, which you know somebody like me, um, I was incredibly happy with. I thought that was a, that's a that's a good. Yeah, um, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was I was really I was really pleased with that, and the results were about seventy five percent said no that it's not on its way out, and I'm gonna be, yeah. I'll be honest with you, Jason, I. Uh, that was that was shocking to me because I, I didn't expect it to be I didn't expect it to be that, let alone that much. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting as our careers continue to progress and as these these issues continue to advance. Um, if if, you know, hey, if we ask the question now or heck, if we have to ask the question in another six months, you know, will it change, you know, post pandemic or or post hot topic issues? Would it change? Um but, yeah. but, you know, the overwhelming yeah. majority, at least on my mind, said that it's not on its way out. But I will say, Jason, that, you know, when you take a look at some of the comments, um, you know, there are some very strong opinions that uh, we should move right. away from yeah. donor-centric fundraising. So, right. And anybody, any, so if you and I looked at this from just a purely marketing standpoint, right, that's, 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 that's the way I thought you and I could approach this today rather than try to, cause there's plenty of people bantering over this, this thing. Sure. And I thought rather than you and I sort of choosing sides and getting in our corners or something, um, we could look at it. I thought, okay, this is an interesting sort of market study because, um, so Mike, we're a consulting firm, for example, and we provide consulting services around the country. And I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, so if two thirds, I mean, three, if three fourths of my prospective customers, um, are going to think in the donor centered box, but there's also a quarter of my prospective customers that are going to think in some other box, um, be it the CCF box or something else. What does that mean? Because 25% of any population is not insignificant. Um, that's a market share for some pretty thriving businesses out there. Absolutely. So, um, you know, what, what, I guess that's my question is, so what does, uh, um, or, or if you and I were on the platform in an event next week and we knew we were at an AFP event or something, and we knew that 25% of the people in the room saw the world one way and 75% were sort of seeing the other, what would it sort of, what would we do differently? I don't know. That's kind of what I, that's what I've been thinking about and thought we could talk about today. No. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, Jason, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I actually think that. That really is that next question from from the question that I posed, right? Is is that okay? Now that yeah. we have that information, that seventy five percent of your your gala participants or whoever are saying one thing, and then twenty five yeah. are saying something different. How do we approach it? Um, it, it? It's a good question, but but here's here's what I would say. Um, you know, I've been fundraising for about fifteen years, and and and, and although you know, I consider myself a, a, a pretty um, sound fundraiser, we can all learn. Like we're all in this world to learn and, and to better ourselves and, and, and things sometimes change on a daily basis. But I'll tell you right now, I think it's our job as a fundraiser um, to find ways to hit as many people as possible. And that requires us to be adaptable to where things are at. You know, so to me, it's like you go into a gala with 100 yeah. people and 75 of them are saying, hey, I want to I want to donate, but here's my little pet project that I that I want to donate to. Can you do that? 
um, you know, my job as a fundraiser is, is to hopefully find a way to get that to happen. If, you know, as long as it, you know, checks all the boxes and we're not, you know, we're not doing anything that we shouldn't be doing or whatever. But, you know, my job as a fundraiser is to, is to try to make that happen. Um, if, if we can, and, and to, to make yeah. an impact with that. But on the flip side, if 25 donors are saying, well, no, you know, us 25 are going to come together and, and have this pet project as a group. Um, my job hasn't changed yeah. really. Right. My job is to hopefully work with them to, to figure out how that is. So I, I, I hate to answer without Actually, an answer. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you put it that way. I think we need to remind ourselves these these are fundraisers answering your question, not donors. Right. Um, right. Yep. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, but but you, the, what you were just describing was donors. So if if because that that twenty five percent, if if you if you had a simple if if this applied equally in equal measure to the way that you ran a gala, for example, there is some value in knowing that twenty five percent of the people in the room would all. Uh, collaborate and sort of cumulate, you know, uh, together come around a project. There's, there's a great deal of efficiency in that, for example. Um, and you might actually end up raising a lot more money at a higher margin, or certainly a, a per a per dollar margin. You would raise more money with even with that smaller majority, because that you know that that, that smaller group because you can do it with a group, whereas the other group perhaps wants more disparate sort of initiatives to invest in. But uh, Scott, this is about this, 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 this question you posed here is actually for the fundraisers. What in your mind does this say about the fundraisers though? Um, Is this a generational thing in your mind? Do you think that the 75%, for example, that said no are generally our age or older, for example? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's funny because I, I can go in, I and I apologize, I don't know if, if you can, but I can go in and see, you know, at face value, obviously, voted, you got, wow. yeah, I can see yeah. who voted for, you know, what, and, um, and my, yeah. my, my litmus test definitely shows that, you know, I think the ones that are voting know that donor-centric fundraising is not on its way out tends to be an older yeah. generation, the older, more, you know, seasoned fundraisers, for lack of a better term. The the ones that are are new or or have been brought up in I don't want to use the term millennial because I think that sometimes gives a, a bad connotation depending sure, on who sure. you talk to. But yeah. but it's definitely going to be the younger, um, more um, more pet project, for lack of a better term, I guess you know, focused on fundraising. So I think that, yeah, I think that it is very generational um, in my opinion. And, and I think that, you know, pendulums swing back and forth depending on what's going on. So it'll be interesting to see. Okay. Know. So, so we're not going to hold you to this and nobody, and I, and I'll, and I'll go to bat for you if anybody tries to take you to task on this, but you're looking at your own data. Um, is the, is the 75% crowd older and generally white and generally men and generally working in larger institutions? Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Actually, yes, you, you're, you're probably correct. Again, I haven't looked at that data for a while, but uh, sure. but yeah, and if I had to take, take a, an educated guess looking at what I looked at, yeah, you're probably correct. Okay, and so the 25%, my guess is, is that, 
and 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 we don't have to go so much and and I won't ask you because it's a small it's a small sample yeah. but my guess is is it's more women and it's smaller shops or grassroots organizations correct yes is is yeah 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 see i think that I think, Scott, you ought to be calling up AFP and Case and some of these other organizations <laughs> and selling them your data. <laughs> because I think that actually says something. If you think about what's actually going on, you just conducted a study and you've got 350 votes and you've got pretty hard data. you got people who basically volunteered. They volunteered to participate in this thing. Um, and you've got all the data on them. And... 25% of them basically put, they've sort of, the two different groups have put themselves in a box that also associate with this notion of what donor-centered fundraising versus something else is. Because I don't think you actually referenced the contrasting, like the CCF idea or anything, did you? No, no. As a matter of fact, no, I, I did not. And, and, and I actually think that's, a, that's an important point in the fact that I did not say that. As a matter of fact, some of the comments then would bring that up. Um, yes. which, which are valid to, br- yeah. to bring up kind of a, a contrast to the donor centric. But yeah, to your point, I did not call out any any flip tests of, of uh, what else are we going to go down kind of thing. Okay. So th- this is the thing that I thought about as I was watching this play out. And I mentioned this a little bit before that I'm not going to unravel some of my thinking that I talked about before we hit the record button, but I do want to. So one of the things that I shared with somebody yesterday is Scott First 12 years of my fundraising career, I was in the parachurch space, worked for faith-based organizations. Um, that's just the world I came from, you come from. And that's a, that's a large subset of our nonprofit sector, too. I didn't even hear, though, I don't even remember using the term donor-centered as a phrase for probably that first decade of my career, not because we would have ever thought it was donor-centered or not, but because when you're in a faith-based, Judeo-Christian sort of context like I was coming up in, it was that notion that everything belonged to God, and we were stewarding things that were given to us and that we were just giving back. Um, That's the camp that I kind of wonder if even, if we're to assume, for example, in in the survey data you got, um, you've got sort of this, maybe this, more mature, higher ed, healthcare sort of category. You got a small. You got this other group that's more grassroots. But there's a faith based group that perhaps would have ridden the fence on this, don't you think? Yeah, no, I um, I agree. As a matter of fact, um, I think if you look back at the data, and again, it's it's a small sample size, but I think if you look back at the data, you could almost see you know certain sectors or certain organizations that that voted a certain way as well so not only are we talking about right. age or generational but we're we're talking about certain sectors because you know this idea that that giving or tithing you know is is one way yes. versus you know this move to community impact or collective impact that we're all kind of in this together to solve yeah. the problem kind of thing i mean that could be some other type of of group or sector. So, um, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think you, you have certain sectors of society of not only just generational or age or, or even race or gender that will vote certain ways, but I think you have different, you know, uh, mission oriented groups that would vote or, or, you know, lean a certain way as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to do with this? 
You know, I don't, I don't know what you want to do. I want to get. I want to get you. To, I don't know if you're right, but we publish it at Responsive. We publish a journal. I want to ask you to publish an article on it and break it all down. I just think it's a fascinating data set. It seems like totally, you know, off the cuff, but I think there's information in there that those of us. I know where I voted, but I know why I voted too, um, and. I think I think being in either of those universes and understanding who the rest of us in those universe. I was talking about this with somebody on social media recently. And if I think about those two universes that you created with your poll and then to have to now own up to those universes that we exist in is, I think, something we need to think about. Well, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, not only did I not give like uh, uh, the the flip, the, you know, I didn't give another alternative to donor centric. I, I just basically called it yes, out. And, right. yeah. and, and I just gave, you know, two options, yes or no. Like, you know, the question was, is donor centric yes. fundraising on its way out? Yes or no. Um, you know, so in some yeah. aspects, I, I'm forcing people to, to pick a side. Um, you know, where I want to go with it, that's a good question. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if there's a right or wrong answer for it. I, I wonder if there's some type of blended answer that that will cover it all. Because, you know, I think that we're, okay. you, know, you, you know, I don't want to necessarily say which way that I would vote. You know, although, you know, reading between the lines, I'm sure someone can take an educated guess. But, you know, my... <laughs> sure, that's fine. <laughs> but, but my thing is, is that I don't know if if either one is wrong, but I, but I think we're entering into a fundraising world, especially as a fundraiser myself to where I think there's a good group of people out there that want us to fall into a specific category. And I don't know if that's right. Meaning, meaning our, you know, uh. our organizations are those people that are tasking us fundraisers say, Hey, go raise money. Go raise money to advance this mission, yeah. whatever this mission is. Are yeah. they wanting to yeah. put us in a box that says, hey, go raise money, but I want to make sure it's donor centric or go raise money. And I want it to be, you know, you know, community centric or, you know, co- you know, collectively. I don't I don't know. And I. Right, right, <clears throat> right. I mean, that's that's what I mean. That's why I raised the question about my faith based background, because neither. Um, there's a there's a great deal of alignment, and I've seen some of my colleagues who I know participated in this this thread of conversation that you created. And please don't don't do anything with this post because we're going to create a lot of traffic on it. Hopefully, for you, <laughs> you might get more votes. No, you can't get any more votes now. But um, uh, the like, I, I I probably would have responded if I thought about my fundraising career. My fundraising career would not have fit in the CCF or the DCF box. It yeah. just wouldn't have fit in either one of those boxes. And something I was thinking about as we were participating in this dialogue um, is I think you have – there's also some assumptions embedded in the way that we're thinking that are rooted in the population that is giving um, so for example, none of us, I don't think any of us have ever gone out and asked a donor, do you want it to be donor centered work or not? But I think a lot of this conversation is oriented towards the donors that we have, not the donors that we don't have. Um, you know, not the non-donating, non-donating population. So it's almost like this, this poll here sort of divides a pie of the current constituent, you know, the current donor population that we would all be pulling from. 
Um, and it begs the question that is in between the lines, and I think this is what you were just getting at, Scott, is somewhere in that messy middle between the between the right and the wrong, the left and the right, the yes and the no, is that the additional donors that we could tap into if we if we approached it somehow differently than the two options that perhaps people were assuming? Yeah, I think and, that's what you're getting at. No, I and and, and uh, I, I yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And you know what I'm afraid of, and, and I'm like I said, I've, I've spent a career in the nonprofit world, and I and and have have been a part of organizations, both local and national organizations, that are doing some amazing work out there for people, and. What I'm afraid of, uh, to be completely honest with you, just making a career out of this, is are there going to be, you know, populations uh, or groups of people that are going to be pushed aside because as fundraisers, we're told to do, you know, one thing or the other. So, for for example, um, you know, I have an affinity to work with individuals with developmental disabilities, Okay. And developmental disabilities, you know, it it, it tends to be very uh, funded a lot through taxes and state and federal government. And so there's there's a lot of pass through money, but it doesn't obviously cover everything. So there's a need to fundraise. Okay, but if you start moving away from people that have a passion about it, that really say, hey, I want to help. Here is my my money. Please go make an impact with this population that is, you know, a, a, a 1% of the population, go out there, do this. But if we move away from donor centric to allow donors the ability to do that, are there then going to be, and again, using this example of, of those with developmental disabilities, are they now all of a sudden going to financially hurt from a fundraising perspective? Are they going to be financially hurt by moving away from a donor centric to more of a community centric. Um, I don't know the answer. That's just it's just one of those things that I that I raise the question for is that you know if you take yeah, away yeah. the focus, you know, are are you do you run the risk of alienating a certain population because that's not where the community kind of rises up to? If that makes sense. It does make it makes. I, I explain that to my students all the time um, over at the college. So the not what I think. I think in some of this debate, I think this that's in between the lines of what you're saying. The nonprofit sector is extremely vast. It's extremely diverse in who we serve, and it's extremely, um, in some ways, polarizing in terms of the diversity of. I mean, you have literally people on the one side of you and the other of causes and questions that we're all trying to wrestle with. And even in unique subsets of what we're trying to do, we have different groups and so forth. And, and there is, and even as, even as like your responses demonstrate, for example, if the, if the donor centered crowd, for example, responded represents a lot of higher education and healthcare um, and versus the other ones representing more say grassroots organizations or so forth, um, that in and of itself doesn't address the the that those those three categories don't represent the you know the entirety of the uh, of the sector. Um, but here's a thought for you, Scott. I don't know what type of work. I think I get a sense of what the type of work you do. But I, I just did a podcast with a guest, uh, a younger woman, a woman of color, who I said to her, I said to her what I said to a lot of what I say to a lot of young fundraisers. I said if you want to be a rock star in this space, you need to do what I call donor facing fundraising or donor facing work, which means do not do things at an arm's length. 
And I almost wonder if, do you know, you know what I mean when I say donor facing, right? Like the work we do is actually sitting across the lunch table, actual interaction, even in the midst of a pandemic, you're communicating with these people via Zoom. Um, It's a lot of one-to-one. I almost wonder if both sides of these groups are dodging that question because I don't know when I talk to my friends who perhaps come from the CCF world out in Seattle or from my donor centered friends who come from wherever they come from. I don't know that any of them are willing to sort of put it on the line and say that fundraising at its best is donor facing fundraising. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. As a matter of fact, um, I, I literally had coffee this morning from, from, uh, or with a donor. So, so I, t- I totally get it. I literally went yes, to a coffee right. shop. So you know exactly I'm, what I'm talking about. <laughs> literally right. came from one this morning. And, um, and, and all kidding aside, yes. I, I actually talked with him. I said, you know, I've always viewed my role as a fundraiser. I, I have, I, I love my job. I love the career that I chose because the way that I look at it is that I have the unique uh, position to not only advocate for the organization or, or the mission that I, you know is my employer, but I'm also advocating for the donor. So I, I am really I'm really playing both sides. Right. I'm trying to make sure that they match yeah. up. You know, my opinion, and I'll just put this out there, the the idea of donor-centric versus something else, community-centric or whatever, you're almost forcing a fundraiser to pick one side. You know, am I am I am I up with the donor and I'm just making sure that whatever I ask for them is gonna match up for them and, and, and not too worried about the organization, or am I only out for the organization? And therefore, if the donor says, Well, this is my pet project, and you're like, Nope, doesn't match up, you know. That's why I, I just just to, to go back to what I said, I wonder if there's something in the middle, like to your point, like, are we just there is yeah. something in the middle? Scott, <clears throat> Scott, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, because I've done it. I spent my whole career and it sounds like you've spent the most of your career doing the same thing. I spent my whole career at that lunch table. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because of the organizations I was working for. Maybe it's because of the privilege that I have or whatever. Who knows why it is that that's the what type of work that I did. But that was all donor facing work. And I think you and, and I think if you sat there and you interrogated your work at the at the at the coffee table this morning, I bet you exemplified both community centered values and donor centered values. And you probably there's probably no one in either of those camps that's going to probably tell you that you did the other one if they if they observe you doing it. Am I right? No, you're I, you are spot on because the entire conversation. If you, if you needed to push at the lunch table, for example, our friends in Seattle are pushing for more for harder conversations that push towards justice, that push beyond um, the traditional white saviorism, that push beyond sort of the easy charity that um, Darren Walker's talking about, for example. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the only way you could have pushed the envelope with a donor, whoever that donor happened to be, the best way to push that envelope would have been at that coffee table this morning. A hundred percent. That would have been where I could draw the line right, in the sand right. and, and, and pick a side. But yeah. but at any donor-facing right. meeting, um, you know – Yes, there are people out there that that, that do that. Uh, yes, there are organizations that want you to do that. But at the end of the day, aren't we all trying to make an impact? Like we're trying to make an impact. We're trying to advance missions and we need people around the table that are willing to yeah. do that. So it's like 
yeah, if, if you were if you were a fly on the wall at this coffee meeting that I had this morning, you could absolutely say that there were parts of me that were very donor centric. Um, there were probably parts of me that sure. were very community centric. Um, and there's probably something right. something in the middle that that hasn't been defined yet. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe that's what we're I, here. I, that's I, what brother, we're here to brother, do, Jason. I think- <laughs> I, brother, I think you just described it. I mean, unfortunately, the two white guys are doing this, but uh, but I bet I bet if we had some gr- more diverse voices around the table here with us this morning, I think they would probably concur with us that when you're at that when you're in that donor facing seat, and and the woman I was talking to earlier was a uh, a young woman of color, and I was and she's frustrated in her job and in her fundraising role, but she's not in a donor facing role. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, she's going to champion our fr- the CCF the CCF value. She's going to champion that to the to the moon and back. And um, and I concur with a lot of her thinking. But at the same time, she's very frustrated working for the institution that she's in, and she's um, and she's not doing donor facing work. And so even on the even on the notion that you want to be, quote unquote, donor centered or community centered or in my case, I mean, when I was in the faith based space, we called it kingdom centered or Christ centered or mission centered. There's all sorts of centering sort of things. But at the end of the day, you can't do much of it if you're not if you're not actually in front of the donor. And I think I think a lot of our friends in the donor centered camp. I think this is what we need to come, our donor-centered friends need to come to grips with, is that there's a lot of our methodologies. When you think about the way that direct response plays out, when you think about the way that galas and golf tournaments play out, a lot of those things are are losing their donor-centeredness. Does that, does that make sense to you? I mean, I think some of the weariness that some of these things are actually proving to have and our renewal rates and stuff are proving that even our vision of what donor centered needs to look like is probably starting to wane. No. And, and, and what's I, your thoughts on that? Yeah, no. And I'd take it one step further. I, I think as a fundraiser, isn't our job to get the person that wants to help to move them from A to Z to where the help is needed. So you're really trying to move people along that path to say, Hey, I want to help. Where can I help? And your job is to get them from A to Z to show them that, Hey, with your help, with your investment, with your with your volunteerism, whatever the case is, we can make an impact at the end of the road. So let's talk about how we get there. Um, and I think that you're right. I think that, you know. I don't know. Are you? So, so I talked to some of my donor-centered friends, and I, I, had, a, I had a woman, uh, Hannah is her name. She was one of my podcast guests several weeks back, and she was and she's definitely an advocate for the CCF uh, values. And we talked about the idea of direct. She was she was making the same description of sort of being able to direct and persuade and sort of push the donor in a particular direction. And what she was contrasting it with, and I've heard this too. I think some of us in our in our donor centered sort of notions are more just like customer service people. There's a difference between being a persuasive um, agenda pusher and and guiding a donor down a path that's per, perhaps perhaps not even necessarily where they thought they would land to begin with and somebody who's basically just doing customer service. Well, yeah, but I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, and I don't know if this is what you're saying, Jason, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, donor centric is, is just customer service. Um, 
Oh, I, I'm saying I'm saying a lot of it looks like that. <laughs> no, no, I get, no, I no, get no. To get away with saying that. No, you no, no. Yeah, no. I, under, <laughs> I understand why. Why at the surface it looks like that, but I don't necessarily think that is to me. Yeah. To me, donor centric. Yeah. And, and a lot of community centric is this way too. But it really is about a partnership to make an impact. And and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Like I, you know, I've worked with board members you know, that, that are notorious. And I sit on boards. I can say this. I sit on boards too, to where, you know, they're notorious for, for having the answers, right? Like, Hey, let's go out and do this. Let's make, let's start this program and let's go out and raise money for this program. But you know, their intentions are great. They have great ideas and, and they want to help, but it's our role to make sure that where it goes is going to make the most impact of where we need to, to advance the mission. Um, to me, that's, that's, yes, it's, yes, it's customer service. Um, and yes, it's a little bit of, of persuasion and, and, and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it really is about partnership advancing the mission. So, so to me, I don't want, I don't like necessarily to get in semantics and, and, and argue over definitions and words (laughs) and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between donor centric and community centric. And, and, par- and, and just to get back to the original is, question, I think that too many people are trying to yeah. make it black versus white. It, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like a right versus wrong. And I don't know if there is a right versus wrong. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I don't know if it's right versus wrong. I think some of it is competitive or non-competitive. I think some of what we have always wrestled with. And I think what some of us have wrestled with in the nonprofit sector is, is whether or not we're competing for the charitable dollar. And I've never had a problem with the idea that when you live in a society, when you live in a capitalist society, and unless we're going to all move somewhere else, that's the world we live in, we are competing over resources. And so by any definition, the charitable dollar that my organization secures is not the organization that yours does. And in some cases, my cause does conflict and sometimes can be complete. This is what I think you were getting at earlier. Sometimes the cause that I'm advocating for, regardless of whether I define it as justice, you know, getting to that ultimate level of sort of ultimate change is the complete opposite of your definition of justice. Um, You know, I mean, uh, the, the, the difference between, you know, Catholic charities, for example, and Planned Parenthood are two completely different definitions of justice and equality and a lot of other things. And and they both could could just as easily hinge their fundraising practices on any one of these fundraising approaches. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that we really didn't highlight, you know, yet, uh, and not to open up the can, but part of the reason why I, why I asked the question <laughs> is, is around this idea, is donor-centric fundraising, does that exacerbate the inequalities that are out there? So, so have we really, although our intentions have all been good and we all want to sit down and face a donor and say, hey, we can partner together and we can take this amazing investment that you want to make in this mission and make an impact – and we do, but on a, is there a side effect that we've actually increased in inequality in doing that? Um, and that was kind of like not really the main question, but it was kind of a secondary question that you know all can decide to get back to, to get back to like where's where are we going with this or whatnot? Maybe that's the next question. Like, what kind of fundraising are you know do we need to do? in order to advance missions and help people, but at the same time, not advance inequalities? Well, you're going to have to, and I don't know that our friends, it's, so that's the critique. 
That is the critique that as I'm reading and getting to know more of our CCF friends, that's the critique that I'm hearing is that is that our donor centered sort of approaches do maintain a lot of that, um, maintain the status quo and a lot of the inequalities and such. But what I also think that, that we're not wrestling with, for example, is the fact that our nonprofit sec our nonprofit organizations are independent, independently organized entities that employ individuals to, you know, your university, for example, does not employ you to go raise money for someone else. And if you go raise money for, I, I, I've raised this question uh, in my own here in the state of Pennsylvania, for example, about having very talented gift officers who essentially work as brokers to raise money for multiple organizations. But that's completely um, mind boggling, you know, ethical dilemma sort of talk for some organizations. Um, but if you came to, you know, I, I, I teach over at your college and if you, you know, if you came, Scott, to work at your college, we would expect you to raise money for your college, regardless of what definition of justice or injustice or equality or inequality might be attached to it. Yeah. I mean, right? I, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, if I, if I was working, if I was some working, of the, some of this is just, well, yeah, I mean, if, if I was, if I was working for some four, of this is just the. Yeah, if I was working for yes. Ford, a Ford dealership, no, no, I, I was just going to say, if I'm working for a Ford dealership for a for-profit company, if I'm working for a Ford dealership, they're going to want me to sell Ford cars. Bottom line, you know, and uh, and it's just the, it's just the same at a nonprofit, you know, if they're hiring me to to go to go quote unquote sell or fundraise whatever you know whatever term you want to say, yeah, you know, they're going to want me to do it for them. Um, and, and to go and meet with individuals and companies and community groups and sell them on what we can do at our shop. It, that's what we're doing. It, it's just, you know, when the difference, in my opinion, between fundraising and sales is that I think there's there's more of, a, a, of an advancement of a, of a mission impact um, that is attached to it. But other than that... And I, there's obviously more, and maybe that's another podcast. But uh, but uh, you know, I think that's that goes back to to your point that they're going to want me to, to to sell where I work. That's the whole reason why I got a job. I have metrics and, and numbers that I got to hit just as much as this card salesman down the road. Um, and, and and we're trying to to advance what we need to advance. See. Is the fun, does the fundraising community, Scott, does the fundraising community need to ask themselves, because we're the ones that the fundraising community is the people that you surveyed there. You have 350 responses from people who are three-fourths of the people are in one camp and another quarter of them are in another camp. But the reality is, is that 350 organizations perhaps are also represented in there. And my guess is, is that very few of those organizations as the employers have even taken a position. This is one of the things I don't think that either of our donor centered folks or our CCF folks are actually thinking about and insisting on is that the powers that be the organizers of the board, the employers, if they don't sign off on any one of these sort of value structures, um, Fundraisers are down the payroll, you know, they're down the food chain, if you will, um, down the hierarchy. Um, and and perhaps we need to wake up to the fact as fundraisers, going back to what I was experimenting with here a couple of years ago in Pennsylvania, Scott, if you and I want to be donor centered, 
or CCF center, you know, community centered fundraisers, maybe you and I need to organize an army of those types of fundraisers and contract ourselves out to nonprofit organizations that want to raise money that way and really shake up the actual structure. If we have, we're sort of, we're sort of implying by asking the questions that you, that you asked, we're implying that we have that power and we have that influence in this process, which I certainly think we do. But are we really acting on it, I guess, is what I'm asking. No, I, you know what's funny is uh, I, I was literally having this conversation with, uh, with a friend of mine because, uh, I, <laughs> because I, I, I agree 100%. You know, as a fundraiser, as, as someone that, that tries to be active on LinkedIn and ask questions, you're exactly right. This is coming from Scott Myers, the individual fundraiser. This is not coming from my employer. Yeah. This is not coming from, you know, the entire sure. industry. You know, that, that here we are trying to... Um, you know, trying to to make an impact on the world, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, the the, uh, the vast majority of us are, are definitely down the payroll, and and uh, you know the the ones that yes, are going exactly. to to make those decisions have to make those decisions. And as a side note, I think you're starting to see some of that. I, I think that you know the Ford Foundation is a perfect example to where you know you're going to have yeah. foundations, organizations, institutions you know, rise up from a leadership perspective to say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Um, and this is where we're going. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more and more of that, which to, again, to go back to my, to my one point, especially, you know, using the example of the developmental disabilities population, you know, my fear is that as more and more do that, you know, and say like, not only are we going to, you know, do it this way, but we're going to we're going to raise money from a community centric focus or whatever. Are there going to be populations out there that then are pushed to the side uh, for lack of a better term? So there is a uh, there was a there was a, a woman who's going to be one of my guests on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And I don't know that it was that thread of conversation or another one, because all these things are happening on social media lately. Um that's that's what you do in the midst of a pandemic. You you get to know people on social media and a podcast. Yep. Um, but um, she she pointed out I, I I spent I spent a couple of years in Washington D.C. at a large health charity for in the in the epilepsy community. So I totally appreciate the sort of the world you come from. And I don't know where. And this is one of the things she was saying, and it's kind of along the lines of the question that I would sort of pose to our friends in Seattle is where does, for example, the organ- an organization like the Epilepsy Foundation fit? Where does an organization that is trying to advocate not for a particular, you know, a, a people, a, a, it's a group of people who are marginalized for particular reasons that perhaps don't fit within other boxes. And I think that's some of the questions that you're sort of posing um, but I think it also raises the question of whether guys like, you know, if you and I wanted to prop up a fundraising company and say, we'll contract out our services as great rock star donor facing fundraisers and we'll work for, you know, organizations that want to help the disabilities community will do it. I think there's a courage. I think there's a courage in between the line and a bravery in between the line of the, the, the question that you asked all these people to have. And it really comes down to whether or not they're going to hold their employers accountable to the way that they want to raise money. I and to be honest with you, um, that that I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think I, th- <laughs> I, I mean, don't we don't we leave our jobs? Don't we all quit and complain about uh, donor? Ret- I mean, not don- uh, fundraiser, professional yeah. turnover, and all these other things. Yep. 
because we're working for employers that do not align with our values, and yet we're all deciding what our values are. How about we make sure that our boss has the same values? I, you, you are, uh, you are spot on. I agree a hundred percent because you know I think I think, and I'll speak for myself. You know, one of the things that I have tried to do better at in my career, especially my, my you know, my later part of my career where I where I'm a little more seasoned, right, than than, than a new, you know, fish yeah. in the pond here. But, you know, to start advocating for a certain way, because, you know, it, it either aligns up with my values, it's where my skill set is or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, it really is just advocating. You know, and and it's going to take a lot more of us to continue to advocate a certain way. You know, the problem is, is that then you go back to that question, you know, is donor centric fundraising on their way out? Well, we got 75 percent of us still saying that, no, it's not. So, you know, if we are going to move to something other than donor centric and I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't. But if we are, it's going to take a lot more people to start, you know, stepping up and advocating and, and, and being brave to do that. And let's be honest, we still live in a world where it takes some bravery to to stand up on, you know, some values and morals of yourself to influence those above us to to make different decisions. Well, I, I think so. You asked the question. This will be the headline we'll use to name the you know is donor centered fundraising on its way out. But the interesting thing is the data doesn't the data. The, listen, we're all data geeks. That's what fundraising. We love to. I hear people tell me all the time, "I love my data." Well, the data oftentimes isn't the data that you put up on the screen. You know, LinkedIn with your poll reveals one set of data, but when you put it, when you reveal to us. Scott, that just if we just look on age, for example, if the average age of the person that answered the donors in the affirmative that it's sticking around is 20, let's say it's, it's they're 20 years on average older than the person who answered in the other direction, then unfortunately, Scott, it's on its way out just simply because those people are going to die sooner than the other people. Yep. And so, and that is just demographics. We're not talking about race and ethnicity. We're not talking about any of that. We're just talking about that. You're talking about an old camp and a new camp and, 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 and I'll remind, you know, where you and I started here, if I was a marketer, I'm thinking about this for my brand at Responsive Fundraising. I'm paying attention to what our folks in in um, in, in Seattle are saying because I want to know and understand why what they're saying matters, and I want to allow it to inform my thinking. Well, and 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 I agree, and I think that it's it's one thing to ask this question to fundraisers, and it's another question to ask it to donors. And, and a lot of us are donors in addition to fundraisers. Yeah. But but if you were to look at these groups separately and say, okay, let's ask this question to professional fundraisers, and we get one answer, but we ask you know a group of donors the exact same question. We may get a completely different response. I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've spent uh, the past, you know, 10 years, you know, I, every fundraiser probably enters in on more of like an annual fund, a gala, a golf tournament. But I've spent the past 10 years doing major gifts. And, you know, at the end of the day, the major gifts are going to come from, you know, the older, more seasoned professional individuals out there that that have some sort of wealth that can give at some level um, who, you know, they're they're going to be around for a while, at least with their giving. Right. But eventually, to your point, they're, yeah. they're going to move on, too. Right. And, and the ones that are coming up as, as professional fundraisers, you're also getting a whole other group of donors coming up. 
I mean, we've we've seen that in the in the rise of of crowdfunding and all those kind of things that at the end of the day, you know, 10 years ago, that was nothing. Now it's like I can't get someone yeah. under the age of 25 to donate unless I have some, you know, crowdfunding thing attached to <laughs> attached to their phone, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I I I would uh, I would welcome. I, I've had a couple of folks from the CCF camp, and I've had a, a strong army of uh, donor center folks on the podcast. We're airing. This is probably creeping up on 300 episodes, and I've had plenty of those camps now, um, especially in the last couple of months, represented. And I think, but I'm going to go back to to wrap this up, man. I think you and I ought to start a new movement. I think it's the donor. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, the donor facing fundraising is going to win. And just like I told this uh, this woman this morning, this woman of color who is advocating for 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 the CCF principles, if she doesn't get into donor facing work. I think she's going to be in a disadvantage. And I've said that to groups of fundraisers all across the country for the last several years. That's what I basically said in my first book is that if we don't organize our fundraising thinking about our profession to get in front of the donor, whoever the donor happens to be, so that we can influence their decisions in the most significant ways, you're ultimately not going to achieve the types of goals that we want to Um and you knew that when you sat at the coffee table this morning, and I want for for the woman I was speaking to earlier, I want the same experience for her as I do for you. Yep, I yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, I I I will say this. I, I said this when I first got into fundraising, and I'll say this now, fifteen to twenty years into my fundraising world, that at the end of the day, um, it's the relationship we have with people that are going to. To make an impact later on, and, yes. and how we go about it, we can yeah. we can all you know disagree. We can all um, you know have call, our own pet call projects. Call what you want, right? Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's, it's that relationship I had with that person this morning, sitting across, having a cup of coffee, talking about how we can work together to, to make an impact. And, and the other thing is, the other thing is, is that is is because I know all these organizations are seeing the demographic changes and trends in our country, and they're seeing the diversity of people that are, are giving uh, in the Robert Smith gift more Morehouse was remarkably game changing for a lot of people's thinking, for example, but there's a skill that you're constantly by being at that breakfast table, lunch table, coffee table that you were at this morning. It's not work that can be taught in the classroom. It's a constantly evolving, emerging, tacit type of knowledge that you're gaining by doing the work. And I think that's what rubs. I, I know that rubs the reality of what are some of our more old, what I would just call our old school fundraising thinking, because they think that they can teach this stuff in the classroom. And you were learning this morning just like you were learning 20 years ago, um, just like I'm learning, you know, just as a podcast, when you're in the motion, that's field work. That's how you learn in the field. Um, I think that's how we get good at this stuff. I, I, yeah, I tell you what, I, I, know, I know you're a better, I know you're a better fundraiser because you were at the lunch table this morning, the breakfast table. I know it. I, I, I got into the fundraising world. Like I, I, I think I told you maybe off, off, uh, off the record button, but, uh, you know, I started my career on the social service side. I actually worked one-on-one with at-risk youth in a residential program. That's how I started yeah. out my career. Yeah. 
And, you know, I was I was able to go out with the then fundraisers to go meet with donors because I had the stories. Right. I had the impact because I had first knowledge of what we were working with these young kids to make their lives better. And I fell in love with sitting across the table, having a cup of coffee, talking about the amazing work that that we did. And and that got me into fundraising. I fell in love with it and and then uh, made a career out of fundraising. So I think you're you're spot on. At the end of the day, it's about the relationship. It's about sitting across the table with someone, making a connection um, and and talking about the the good work that we're doing uh, and how we can make not only our lives, but our community that much better. Scott, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I'm sure we could get some opinions from people. If we haven't conjured up some opinions and some pushback, we probably didn't. uh, I'm sure we have. Um, People know how to find me. They track me down if they don't like what I say or they or they want to give me some uh, they want to be cheerleaders. Uh, but somebody may want to reach out to you and follow up on this conversation. How would you suggest that they do that? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you right now. Uh, the first thing is LinkedIn. I, I, I'm very involved in LinkedIn. I think that's how we we continue to advance this uh, in this world uh, is to continue to, to connect on social media. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with anybody uh, to 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 better ourselves, to, to learn from each other. Scott Landon Myers, it's M-Y-E-R-S on LinkedIn. And Scott, the, I will uh, I will extend the invitation if you want to do any write up. If you want to uh, do some further, uh, I think you've got some valid data there. Uh, Three hundred fifty fundraisers responded to an interesting question that you posed. If you want to do some, if you want to do some writing on that, I'll be happy to get out, help you get it out there. So uh, we'll attach it to this. Uh, we'll attach it to this podcast or something else later in the future. And um, I, I admire that you. I admired. That you asked the question. I'm glad you joined me today. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it, Jason. I, I appreciate everybody that interacted with it. Uh, continue the conversation, continue to learn each other, learn from each other. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great to connect with you, Jason, and uh, really appreciate all your work. And uh, thanks for the invite. Have you read the book that nonprofit leaders and fundraising professionals alike are calling a must read? In this pocket manifesto for today's fundraising professional, Jason deconstructs why many of us find ourselves working for organizations where we cannot accomplish our goals. These same organizations are notorious for rapid turnover and high donor attrition. To avoid this all too familiar path, Jason offers direction from those who want to be recognized and admired for their work. The war for fundraising talent challenges our ingrained beliefs and assumptions about how effective fundraising really works, and it questions the prevailing wisdom hiring decisions and donor behavior. Published by Gatekeepers Press, The War for Fundraising Talent is now available on Amazon and other major retailers. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Fundraising Talent Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show and hope you will come back for next week's interview, where we will discuss with those on the front line who are defining what it means to be a fundraising professional. If you'd like to be a guest on the Fundraising Talent Podcast, visit our Facebook page or email Jason at jason at lewisfundraising.com. In your email, be sure to tell us about where you work and why you believe you would be a great addition to the upcoming lineup. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to you being a part of the continuing conversation as we shape how the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent.